our Becoming series. Uh, it's a series where we are launching Connect Groups, but it's more than that. It's more than just about Connect Groups. It's what we're becoming as a church, what we're becoming as individuals, and so forth. And I started off a couple of weeks ago talking about the fact that we are growing as a church quite rapidly, and it's pretty exciting. You know, kids' rooms are full. But it, that, in a sense, that itself has been no surprise to us, that God has always spoken to us about growing. It's the purpose for the growth that has always captivated us and always caught us. And that purpose is this, that God is, has seen fit to make us into a large and significant church that would plant churches to reach the lost, create ministries to serve those in need, and ultimately to change the face of this nation. What a call. We can only do that if we become like Jesus and do what Jesus did. In other words, we become followers of Jesus. We become disciples. And that's why I talked on discipleship. And that's why we as a church have made it very clear what discipleship looks like in this church. And mainly the backbone of discipleship in this church takes place in connect groups. When you're connected in connect groups, you're connected to all the various other things and you have access to everything else that we, go, we do and, and have in this church. It's, it makes sense. And connect groups are that safe place where you can connect with God and have spiritual growth and, and connect with others as you uh, have develop meaningful relationships. And then last week, Chris got up and preached a blinder, as he often does, a little bit high, I think. Uh, he seemed to be pumped of energy a little bit over the top. I did call him a loon as he came down from the stage. But that did off the back of knowing that we have just put in our bid for the building, and it's been accepted. Woo! I'm excited about that. Uh, so that, that was pretty exciting. And Chris basically talked on us becoming one. He talked about the safe place. He said, we, you know, he talks about connect groups, being the safe place where we are loving one another, where love needs to, is something that needs to be crafted. I love this bit where he says, we look for favor rather than failures. And as he uh, disappeared into his whole other world, talking about you've been framed, um, check out the podcast if you have no idea what I'm talking about, by the way. Uh, he, spoke to, he spoke about connect groups being the anchor point uh, for the springboard into the world. This week, I want to take us a step further than that. We, the church, that is you and me, that is us individually, us collectively, we are ch called to change the face of this nation. What an incredible privilege. You know, you are not sitting here, you are not here, you're not listening to this podcast by accident. You have a purpose. You have a part to play in this grand, redeeming, rescuing vision that God has set out. But what is it? How do you discover it? And most importantly, how do you walk in it? And those are the questions I really want to try and tackle today. It's only when we become many, we are becoming many, not just numerically, but as we each take our position, as we will achieve the goal that God has been preparing us for and has prepared for us. Let me read this. This is in Ephesians 1, Ephesians 4, sorry. And we'll come up on the screen. As always, uh, we put the scripture on the screen, but if you haven't got a Bible, we'd love to give you one. Or as Dennis says, you know, no matter what your age, as he was referring to, you can uh, check that out through the app as well. Young man, Dennis saying that. Anyway, Ephesians 4. As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling that you have received, being completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. You see, there is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope and you were, uh, you were, when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us, a grace is being given as Christ appointed it. 
And this is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. And then it goes into parentheses. What does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. It took me ages to figure out what that was all about. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attain into the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. There will be no long, then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself in love as each part does its work. There is unbelievable amounts of stuff in this whole passage. I'm not entirely sure why I've decided to tackle the whole passage. It could be done in a series, to be honest. But what, what Paul the author is saying here is incredibly profound. And basically, when we get it, and when we act it, when we walk it out, when we, start to, we can start to live out the call of God on our lives as individuals, as a community, and as a church. Let me start here with unity. and Let me just reread the verses four to six. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body, one spirit, just as you were called to one hope and you were, when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and Father over all, who is over all and through all and in all. This passage in my Bible is called the unity uh, the unity of the body of Christ. And it's very clear that Paul, the author, is trying to really bring home and hit home that, that one thing, the fact that we're all one. He says it seven times. You know, we can sometimes come to church, and maybe you're sitting there today, and you're looking around, and, and you just feel slightly disjointed. You know, you kind of feel a little bit out of place. But as you develop relationships, and as you go out into the world, you can bump into someone in the middle of town, and, and suddenly there's something familiar, something similar that's going on, something you have in common. You know, it's like this. It's like being in, a, it's like being in another country. You live in there for a month or two, and some of you have come from other countries to live and join this, join this community and join this church. And then suddenly you come across someone from your own country. And it's a beautiful thing. And it doesn't matter you, that you don't know them. You just suddenly have this connection. You eat, you spend time, you talk, your language is shared, the experiences are similar. They say words that are words that, just words to other people, but to you, stimulate and bring to life a whole multitude of senses. Let me try this out on you, okay? The words dal or biryani. Clearly, that's just me and my wife. How about this then? Biltong and Brai. Yes. South Africans. How about this? Jalof rice and plantain. Woo! Just saying, I love that. Just put that hint out. Um, okay, and for those token Americans amongst us, Thanksgiving dinner. When you have these conversations, suddenly life happens. You know, I get that. Oh, man, no one knows jalof rice like I do. It starts to make sense, right? In a church, you can look different. You can feel different. You may even question what you're doing here and whether you belong. But as you go out there, 
There's a common language, a common sense, a common being. You're a brother or a sister in Christ, your family. That's what Chris was talking about last week when he talked about us being together, becoming one. We are bound by the gospel that we so lovingly cling to. Let me talk about that. The gospel, you can't talk about the gospel without starting with the problem with us that is sin. You see, the problem is, is that God's in charge and he's meant to be in charge. But then we get to this point in our life, whatever point that is, and we go, actually, I'm not sure if I trust that God has the best intentions. I'm going to take charge. And we don't realize the profound impact that that has. The first thing that happens is we immediately lose that relationship with God as we take him out of the way. That is incredibly profound. You've got to realize that God created us to be depend on him. We're called to plug into him, and that's where we get our life. When we unplug, it's like a, a phone. You know, you've got a little bit of charge, but it slowly withers away until it just goes. It's only when you plug back in, but we don't know how to plug back in. We've lost that connection. It starts with that spiritual um, brokenness, that spiritual effect. And the thing is that it's kind of like throwing a, a, a stone into a, a water, body of water. You slowly get the ripple effects of that. After you lose relationship with God, psychologically, you start to have impact. And what happens is you lose connection with the life, the creator who knows you intimately. And if you lose that, you lose the identity of who you are. You start to create an image, you create a force at you, you create this um, idea of who you want to be and feel like you should be. In the garden, this is all in Genesis 3, by the way, in the garden, Adam hid. He was ashamed, he was afraid of God, he wanted God, but he, he feared him. Psychologically, that has an impact. And then when psychologically you've lost your identity, that, it starts to affect you socially. Because you don't know who you are. So that, how do you interact with other people? How do you make decisions? How do you, you develop relationships? You've got insecurities. You've got instability. You've got uncertainty. All of these things that start to impact you. C.S. Lewis puts it like this. It's like two cars going down a road. And you look over and one of the cars, the driver is being attacked by someone else in the, in the driving seat. It's like just going out of control. And it's only a matter of time before that person loses control of the vehicle and starts swerving and causing damage and issues and, uh, and injuring other people. When we don't know who we are, we start to get attacked mentally. We don't know how to be, what to be like. So we start losing control and we end up hurting and damaging other people. And then finally in Genesis 3, it also says this, God cursed the ground. In other words, life just became a whole lot more difficult. Things like you know, sickness, hunger, poverty started to take form. A really interesting quote I heard the other day, you know, everyone in this country could afford food, but we just can't afford the profit that's put on top of food. We start to become a greedy world where actually we need to make things, and actually we start to see things in a broken way. You see the cycle, you see the progression, you see the sin. And so the gospel is that Jesus he descended from heaven, he came to earth, he walked amongst us. He started to repair some of that brokenness. But most importantly, when he died on the cross, when he hung there and he took upon our sin and then he took it to the grave, as it were, and then he rose from the dead, he gave us a way, a, a way of clinging hold to him that we could then plug in again. We could then connect in relationship to the Father. And if we do that, then we could start to repair psychologically our identities, socially our relationships, and eventually start to change the world, the nature around us. That's the gospel. That he overcame sin, he overcame death. In short, 
Jesus is the only one who can meet all of our needs, every single one of them, and he's fully intent on doing so as well, if we let him. And that's why Paul says, make every effort to keep the unity, that thing that binds you, that thing that holds you. In other words, you don't need to manufacture. It says keep. It doesn't mean make or create or do this or that. Keep. God has done it all. All you need to do is acknowledge it, recognize it, and walk in it. And more importantly, it's our job to learn how to express it, which starts our several Ds. The first one's diversity. This is how we express unity this is how we express unity is through diversity. Verse 7. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. That is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. Let me explain that. In ancient times, if an enemy um, was starting to conquer a, a piece of land, what would happen is the king would kind of come out of his palace, descend his throne as it were, and then go and wage war against the enemy, redeeming, destroying the enemy. And if he did destroy the enemy, what would happen is he would come back to his throne. And he would ascend his throne. And that doesn't just mean walk up the steps. That means, once again, take his position of authority and power where he could speak into the rest of the world. And so his presence was once again with his people. And he could, and this is the awesome thing, and then everything, all the spoils, all the riches that he had got from this conquest, from the enemy, he then, a generous king at this time, would then share that out with all the people in, the, in his nation, all of his people, so that they can go and repair what was broken. And Paul uses this image, and he's basically saying to us, the Christ has come, he's defeated the enemy, he's taken it captive, he's taken that authority from the enemy. The enemy has no more authority in that. He's taken that. Not everyone knows that, though. That's the problem. So when he comes back and when he ascends the throne, when he takes his seat, when he speaks in power and does all those things, what he does then is he pours out riches to us, his people. And he says, here's the authority. Here's the power. Go and redeem the world that I have saved. And so we go out and we, we start to reach out. We start to rescue those who have no idea that the enemy has already been defeated. And they're living in that captivity still. He's given us those gifts, those riches to go out and do that. The thing is, those riches are shared amongst everyone, every single person. And that means not one person in this room has all of the riches. They're shared. It's diverse. Everyone has a part to play. Everyone has a part of those riches. And unity and diversity is when we all come together and we all bring those riches and go... Actually, this, not what I've got, not what I am, but this, when we come together, that's riches. That's magnificent. That is going to change the world when we come together, when we, when we bring unity through diversity. And those gifts, let me, I'm going to unpack some of those gifts in a few seconds, but you know, let me just talk to those. Those gifts are full. Just as Jesus had all the power and all the authority to change everything in this world and redeem every brokenness that came from the consequence of sin, now we in this room have every power amongst us as a body to go out and change everything that's wrong and that's broken. Spiritually, some of you guys have the gifts, the gift of, of being able to lead people into a relationship, into a, a walk with Christ. We all do it, we all partake in it, but some people just have that gift. I'll talk to you in a second about that. Some people just have compassion for people who have a broken view of themselves. 
And they're desperate for people to regain that appropriate, that, that right view of themselves in God's eyes. Those are the kind of, those are the more subtle needs. People don't always know how to express those. They feel lonely, they feel disconnected, they feel this, that, and the other. And it takes a word gift, as it were, people coming along and telling them what's wrong. And then the other aspect of it, some things are just totally more felt needs, they're more obvious. Social, marriage, and relationship breakdowns. People in this room love to help people restore marriages and restore relationships. More so, you know, natural, a really visible need in some cases. Some people are just desperate to serve the hungry, to serve the poor. You want to heal their pain. You have a compassion for those who are sick. We all participate to heal each brokenness. We all have a particular passion. And it's when we're all working together in that diverse way that we unite and the unity of Christ shines through. In the Bible, there are loads of, well, yeah, there's enough gifts to go around, that's for sure. Uh, I'm not going to go through all of them because it will just take a long time. Uh, there are courses out there. I think what I'm going to do is I, I want to check a course out, and for our Connect Group leaders who we send the questions to, I'm going to send you a link that will give you a test where you can go and play with these ideas, and I'll, I'll talk more about that in a second. But if you want a quick reference, if you want to go home and do some homework and look at some of these gifts, these are some verses, and they're going to come up on the screen. Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, 1 Corinthians 14, 1 Peter 4, 8 to 10, you know, these are all illustrative, uh, illustrative um, lists. I wouldn't say they're necessarily exhaustive. I don't know if there are more, probably, maybe, who knows. But they, catch, they give us a glimpse of what God is, um, some of the things that God can call us to do. And in the same way, I want to take a selection of just some of those gifts that are referenced in some of these verses and just play with them for a bit. Um, the best way to kind of, uh, well, there's loads of ways to divide it up, but one way is to look at Jesus, and he was a prophet, he was a priest, and he was a king. Let me talk to that. So prophetic gifting, so those who are kind of speaking gifts, okay? Uh, these, these are the ones, as I mentioned at the beginning, that speak right to the heart of situations. You, not necessarily a felt need or an obvious need, but you just speak truth into someone's life. The evangelist, I mentioned this already. Some, you know, we all are called to have conversations, to talk to people about how they're disconnected with God and how they, Jesus has brought them back. Uh, but some of us are just incredibly more gifted. Okay, so several years ago, me and uh, Tara were in this thing called Street Angels in Watford. And uh, we'd go out onto the streets, those were a bunch of people, and we'd literally just go out and pray for people, we'd go and be with people, we'd go and hang with people, usually incredibly drunk people. It was a Friday night from 10 till 4 in the morning. It was great. I loved it. What an experience. But there was a couple of people you'd engage with a conversation. And this one guy, almost aggressive, came up to me and he's like, so what are you doing? And I was like, well, I'm a street angel. And I'm a little bit nervous. Um, and he said, well, what's that? And I said, well, we're Christians. We want to help people. And he goes, how can you help me as a Christian? I was like, oh, gosh. No idea what to say. And so I was like, well, you know, Jesus, he, uh, he, he loves you. He, he, you know, he cares for you. He goes, you have no idea what you're talking about, do you? I was like, no. <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> anyway, Tara was there, fortunately. And she came up. So she, and she kind of entered the conversation. He turned around to her and he goes, what is it you believe in? And she goes, can I ask you a question? And he goes, yeah. He goes, she, she turned to him and she says, is your life a mess? And he's like, Yeah. He goes, and she turned to him, uh, sorry, Tara turned to him and said, Jesus can help you with that. He goes, huh, I like that. <laughs> I was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> what she said. 
frankly, I think I'm a terrible evangelist. I think I, I make hash of these conversations, but there are some people who are incredibly gifted. It doesn't stop me. I still want to train in it. I still want to grow in it. I still want to be better at it. I wouldn't say I'm gifted in it. I'm just desperate for it. Whereas Tara, you know, all credit to my wife. She's awesome. That's why I married her. Um, <laughs> Running on, pastoring, this is not a job title, just so you know, okay? This is, called, this is someone who is a shepherd, someone with the ability to guide someone into spiritual growth. You may or may not be able to teach. You may or may not be very good at counseling, but there's just something about you that people love, people trust, and they come to you because they feel like they can come under your wing, and you will want to see them grow, and they believe that, and they see that. There's fruit from that. An encourager, someone who comes alongside. It's not telling someone what to do or how to do it, by te- that's a teaching gift, but someone who can strengthen, who can comfort, who can perhaps counsel, who can give the, ability, the person the ability to feel they can do something that they didn't think they could do, or urge them to action, uh, those who are discouraged or wavering in their faith. Oh, wow, we, we love that gift. And words of knowledge, you know, these are, we receive these at the, uh, during the service, and I'll read them out at the end of the service. But let me just give you a quick couple of stories. We were walking down the uh, park, me and Bella, we were just kind of feeding the dogs and everything. And uh, every now and then we just play this song saying, what's your favorite song? And then we sing it in public, usually. Um, anyway, and, um, and so we were playing this, and she started to go, oh, happy birthday. Happy birthday to you. Oh, this has been recorded, isn't it? Um, and so she started singing this. Anyway, this lady was about 10 paces in front of us. She turned around and said, it's my birthday. <laughs> and she was there. She was so alone. She, had no, you know, she wasn't talking to me. She was just by herself. My little two-year-old girl sang this random song, just like a child would do. And boy, did it have a huge impact. Oh, I wish we would be like children sometimes and just do what our gut says. Here's another story. I'm running for time, but... I want to tell the story. We were struggling to have Bella, going back to that story, uh, conceive her. We had a miscarriage along the way. And actually, we had a friend in church uh, we were connected to. And, and that's why we talk about connect groups. This happened when you're in connection. Uh, who, uh, who came to us and said that she had had a picture. She said, we're going to be pregnant at the same time. We just had a miscarriage. And we were devastated. And this girl came up to us and said, we're going to be pregnant at the same time. And we wrestled with that. We thought, was this you know, just a bit of a joke, you know, uh, you know, whatever. But we held on to it. We held on to this word of knowledge, this encouragement. Anyway, months later, we were very pregnant with Bella. Um, and um, and uh, Tara just suddenly remembered this word, this picture. And she went up to this girl and she said, do you remember that word you gave me? We're going to be pregnant at the same time. Anyway, this, this girl said, well, that's funny, I've just had a miscarriage. And she didn't know what to do about it. And it was devastating. And again, she was then in that place of going, do I believe this word? Do I trust this word? And then actually, literally, Bella was two weeks late. Okay? And, uh, and we found out later that uh, this woman um, was pregnant with her now son at the same time that Bella was supposed to be due. So it was the 11th hour, but that word came to life. It was something to hold on to. And now we've got this beautiful daughter. They've got this beautiful son. Because we held on to that word and that got us through, that word of knowledge, word of encouragement. Uh, Wow. I wrote way too much in this talk. Um, Priestly gifts, doing gifts. Let me just run through this. Let me just quote this, actually. This is awesome. Uh, Back in the early church, a guy called Julian was just hell-bent on killing the church, basically. He, um, he basically wanted us to destroy it. And he said, he wrote to his friend, he said, I just can't do it. It's just in old, old language, this 2000 years ago. I just can't do it. And he said this, nothing 
This is the reason why I can't do it. Nothing has contributed to the progress of the superstition that is Christians as their charity to strangers. The impious Galileans provide not only for the poor, but ours as well. We Christians, we followers of Christ, have always been known for our deeds above all things. One gift is given. Now, just to be clear, okay, you know, some of you will sit there and go, well, I haven't got the gift of giving because God hasn't given me lots of money to give. Just to be clear, it's the gift of giving, not the gift of earning. Okay, very big difference. That impacted me a lot more than it impacted you, by the sounds of things. Um, <laughs> interesting, Henry, Henry Cloud said this. He said, um, when you freely give, neurologically, it's the same feelings, the same emotions as having good food or sex. I'm just saying. <laughs> Mercy gift. Uh, sorry, it's uh, the ability to provide a practical need and, and meet the needs. That's given. Mercy gift. Not just to love what the world sees as unlovable, but to alleviate suffering too. There are people in this room that just have an incredible patience with those who are suffering. Not unlimited, that's not what I'm saying. Incredible patience. They can go a lot further, a lot longer. They can have this incredible compassion that many of us don't. Amazing. Hospitality. Just to be clear, this doesn't mean you have a clean house. It doesn't mean you have a big house. It just means that you care so much about having people over and, and making them feel comfortable and safe. You're the one that apologizes. It's a mess in here. The reason why you apologize is a mess because you're so much more focused on that person than the mess of the house. That's the gift of hospitality. All these gifts and so many more, you can explore in these verses. You can explore in whatever context when you connect in connect groups. You can explore in 102 as well, as Central as 102, which will be uh, next year. Anyway, and finally, kingly leading gifts. We just had the Global Leadership Summit. One of these leading gifts is leadership itself. Leaders are not necessarily the most charismatic, the most gifted, the most this, that, and the other. You know, the people you would think they are leaders. Sometimes they are. But also, the gift of leadership is just, when you turn around, are there people following you? That's the simple sign of a leader. Do you gather people together? Do people come? That's a leader. Simple as. Administration. I love this one. Um, administration basically means helmsman. This is such an underrated gift. Helmsman is someone in the sh on a, a big ship. The captain knows where we're going, directs it. The helmsman is the person that puts that into action, that decides how they're going to get there, that they strategize, that they think, do we need to sails up or sails down? Do we need some course direction, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I just used to think that because I loved Excel and was brilliant at it, I was an administratively gifted person. Turns out I'm just a geek. An administrator is, is just someone who's able to do all of those things. Amazing, incredibly patient, incredibly organized, incredibly running out of time. Um, discovery. Uh, how do we discover? Okay, those are the gifts. Those are the gifts. Uh, we're, not just, we're not just becoming one. In other words, guys, we have those gifts amongst us, all of us. They're spread out. They're shared out with all of us. It's only when we all come together can we start to live in all of this fullness and all this unity. Discovery, how do we discover that? I'm just going to run through some of these thoughts. Effectively, as I said, connect groups, equip, as Dennis was advertising. But listen to this. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers. What makes a gift a gift is that God uses you. You know, sometimes your ability may be substandard, but God will use you anyway. There are people incredibly talented they bring joy to people in the world, but they don't necessarily make a difference. And there are people that are sitting here who go, I haven't got any gifts, but yet you make a difference. You need someone to point that out to you sometimes. And you look at some great speakers, preachers in time. Charles Spurgeon was an amazing orator. 
could hold the attention of thousands and thousands, and people loved him. They said if he wasn't saved, he probably could run for prime minister. There was another preacher called um, Moody. What a great name. Um, he was a terrible speaker. He had bad grammar, stammer, poor tone, just everything. You would just go, I'm sorry, that is not going to work. Just as effective, just as powerful. When the Spirit enters your life, so do the spiritual gifts. Let me say this. Talents are what you are born with. Spiritual gifts are what you are born again with. When you get saved, you get those spiritual gifts. It doesn't matter your natural abilities. and Use those. Please use those. But spiritual gifts go so much further. Let me just make a couple of caveats, misconceptions. We live in a selfie-centered world. I love that term. Um, some of you will catch on with that. Uh, selfie-centered world. I just want to highlight a couple of misconceptions. Sometimes we're individualistic. We, we kind of say, well, you know, we ask you where you're accountable, and you say, well, I'm accountable to Jesus. Is there anything better? No, that's just terrible. You need to be accountable to Jesus and to church. It's where we identify, we edify, we build each other up, we recognize gifts, we breathe them into life. You can only do that with other people. Secondly, collectivistic. You know, some of you sit back and say, well, I could do that, but that's the church's job. You are the church. You are the church. It's your job. We all have roles that are designated to us. But if a role's not being filled, we all step in. We may not be the best gifted person for it, but the role needs to be done. That's in church, that's out of church, that's all over church. Don't unsubscribe because it's the church's job, you are the church. And don't wait for someone to ask you to do something. Sometimes you will be asked, and we have a great pleasure and privilege of asking people, but the problem with asking all the time is that it almost feels manipulative. It almost feels like the church is asking you to do something all the time. Oh boy, there's nothing that feels worse than that. And you know the other thing about it is if you wait for people to ask you all the time, you'll basically stop hearing from God because you're waiting for someone else to tell you what to do. You can all hear from God. We all need to get into that place where we hear from God. And all, you know, I've already touched this. Every, every gift is, it, is not just something for someone who's got that gift. Every gift is for everyone. And what I mean by that is, is, is two things. It's a duty. You may not be an evangelist, as it were, but evangelize. See your friends saved, etc., etc. Let me just give you a little bit of theology for that. You may not have the gift, God may not have given you it, but you have access to the gift giver. And if you find yourself in a situation which seems out of your depth, God has that gift and he's willing to give you it for that moment. Okay? Uh, the way to discover your gift, <laughs> deeply profound moment, experiment. <laughs> Do things. Just go and do things. Go and do things. Offer your, uh, Romans 12, offer your body as living sacrifice. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Where do you feel most alive? Where do you see fruit? Oh, I love this. Where do you have the burden to act? Do as many things you can do. Get involved in every area. Try things out on a Sunday morning. Try things out on a weekday. Try things out in your community. Just try. Gather people around you and excitedly go for it. You need to be trained, even if you're not gifted. I needed to be trained how to talk, uh, taught how to talk to people about Christ, even though I didn't feel like I was gifted in evangelism. We all need to be trained, and if, you, if that's not your gift, then good idea to cover it anyway. The secret to discovering God's gift for you is as simple as taking his hand, taking a step, and saying, okay, is this it? Is it? Yes, Wonderful. If not, okay, that's fine. I loved it. I'm going to move on. Try something else. Try something else. Try something else. 
Maybe it's trying out kids' work. Maybe it's trying out um, leading a connect group. Maybe it's trying out this, that, the other. Just try it, try it, try it. Let me finish with this. I've got some great examples, but uh, I'm not going to be able to say them. Um, enthusiasm. The word enthusiasm, the root of that word basically means it's a combination of people and God is with you. Let me explain what that means. When you get enthusiastic, that's because God's exciting you. When you're doing something and you have enthusiasm, you may be terrible at it, but you, if you're enthusiastic, if you want to learn, if you want to grow, if you want to excel in it, then maybe God's stirring your heart for it. A um, couple of quick points. Destiny. What a great word. Everyone is unique. Age, gender, experience, ethnicity. That means you were created individually. You were given individual gifts because you have an individual role in this world. You have a unique role and unique ability to reach out to people who no one else could probably reach as much as you could. You have a unique destiny. It says in Ephesians 2.10, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, not insufficient or you know, bearable works, but for good works that God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We point, we walk in them, we try them out. That's destiny. And then dependence. <clears throat> From him, the whole body, joined and held together, supporting every ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. I've said it several times, but I want to hit this home, guys. We will only become the church that God has called us to be. We will only change the face of this nation if each and every single one of us realizes and acknowledges that God has prepared good works for us in advance to do and we try them out and we try them out and we try them out until we discover them, we walk in them, we thrive in them, we come alongside of other people, we build them up and we encourage them, we invite them to join in, we participate, we act as the church. This whole verse talks about equipping the saints for the work of the ministry, the work of service. Well, equipping... That whole picture is basically this, this kind of, if, you've got, if you're a little bit squeamish, don't listen to this. But if, um, equipping is a, another word for preparing. And it's basically like, like a shoulder being uh, out of its socket. Uh, and preparing basically means you're unaligned, you're disjointed. You need to get along people who can equip you, who can just pop that back into place. When we come together, when we sit together, when we be together, when we meet in connect groups during the week, we are being able to align each other, align each other with God, align each other with us as a church, align each other with what the world needs, and we thrive in what God has prepared our hearts and our minds and our bodies to do. We cannot do this alone. We depend on other people. Other people depend on you. Jesus created our diversity and uniqueness in such a way that when we come together, we form the whole. It's only then that we slot together. It's only then that universe, uh, unity is in diverse and diversity is in unity. Each member of the body of Christ has a role to play. Would you guys mind standing for this bit? Sorry. Each body, each member of the body has a, of the Christ has a role to play and gifts to share in order to build up the body of Christ. It's only when we're functioning as one body encouraging and serving, bearing each other's burdens, being open and authentic, learning and praying together, and doing so in love that Christ loves us. Can we truly thrive as individuals, as a church, as a movement led by Jesus to change the face of this nation? Amen.
Would you bow your heads, close your eyes, let me just pray. We're not going to have worship because it's um, everyone. God, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. I thank you, Lord God, that you saved us, you rescued us, you redeemed us for relationship first and foremost. And if there's any of us who just feel out of that relationship, Lord, may this be a time where we reconnect into that relationship. And indeed, let me just say, if, um, if after the service you would like to recommit that relationship, and then come down to my right, your left, and we'd love to pray for you. But Father, I thank you that it's more than relationship. It's relationship, it's love, it's love for a purpose. You've invited us to join in, to join the gang, to join the church, to be the church, to go out into the world, to redeem that was lost, to heal people who are psychologically broken, to heal people who are socially broken, to heal people who are affected by nature. Lord, you have called us to go into the world to save the world through you, Jesus. You have given us the gifts to go in there to do it. We are not alone. And you have given us each other that we may build each other up, that we may bring out the best in each other, and that we may send each other in your name, Jesus. Would you do all of this because you want to and because you're able to in your name, Jesus. Amen. Let me uh, just read these words these words of um, knowledge that we have during the service. Uh, someone with a repeating cycle of ear, nose, and throat infection. Someone with a sore tongue and mouth. Someone with mouth ulcers. Someone with heart valve problems. Someone affected by trauma from the past. Someone with whiplash. Someone with a fear of challenges of life. Someone with tinnitus problems. Someone with stiff wrist joints, RSI possibly. And someone with weak limp left arm. Any of those resonate. If anything you would like prayer for, come and receive some prayer. Let's do this together as a body. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace, church. In his name, amen.